0: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire.
1: Peace be with you. Friends, we have a little snippet today from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, as our second reading. And in this little snippet, we find the inner logic of Christianity on full display the strange, disturbing, odd inner logic of Christianity. Listen to Paul. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, you should do all for the glory of God. Huh. The whole of your life, from the greatest things you do, your biggest projects, to the simplest things like eating and drinking, all of it should be for the glory of God and not your own. This is the essential adage by which the saints live. To God is the glory in all things. Now what does glory mean? What's Paul talking about? The word actually is a very common one in the Bible, both Old Testament and New. The Hebrew word kabod. For example, they talk about the kabod, the glory of God in the temple in the Old Testament. The Greek word used in the New Testament is doxa. You find it, for example, in the prologue to John's gospel. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his doxa, his glory. Literally, these words mean light, shine, if you will, reputation, To give God the glory, therefore, is to allow God's light to shine. It means to advertise God, to draw attention to him, to let the light stay on the Lord, his life, his work, his purposes. Now, what's odd about all this? It is so counterintuitive. That's why being a saint is difficult. From the time we are little kids, we learn the arts of glorifying ourselves. Isn't it true? Watch little kids, listen to them. Most of our thoughts, our moves, our actions, desires are subordinated to the end of glorifying the ego. Look at me, little kids say all the time. Look at me, watch what I'm doing. And if you take your attention away from them, they get very upset very quickly. You're not giving them the glory. Notice how high my grades are. Look at my report card. Look how far my home run went. Did you see that? Did you see how far it flew? Now, here's the thing, Christians. Little kids do this spontaneously. They haven't learned the subtle tricks of masking it yet. Adults are basically like little kids. We want the same thing, to glorify the ego. We just get a lot better at masking it. In subtler ways, we say to our friends, See how much money I've got? You ever notice the size of my house? How good and successful my kids are? Do you see the university I went to? The degree that I've got? The job I've got? Again, subtly, we don't shout it the way a kid does, but in all kinds of indirect ways, subtle ways. We, too, like to glorify the ego, shine the light on ourselves. Bottom line, this tendency must be reversed if we want to be saints. And being a saint is the ordinary goal of the Christian life, as i often said. A saint is someone who lives in such a way that his thoughts, his actions, his moves, his desires, his intentions, shed light on God. Highlight God. Glorify God. St. John of the Cross said, The soul is like a pane of glass, and the cleaner it is, that means the more I have erased sin and attachment and self-absorption from it, the more the light of God can shine through. Give God the glory. What do people see in the saint? Not so much the saint. They see God shining through. What do you see in sinners? You see the sinner. Because the sinner's ego is blocking the light. This is what Paul's talking about in saying, give God the glory. Can I suggest, too, this is a very good way of examining your conscience at the end of the day. To ask that very honest and hard question, did my thoughts, words, actions today glorify me or God? Hard question. I challenge you to ask it every night. Were my moves today, my thoughts, my actions, shining light on me or on God? Now, let me pause here just for a second to raise a kind of philosophical problem. We face a dilemma at this point. Have you been following me, listening to me? and say, yeah, okay, okay, I don't get the glory. God does. But doesn't this stir up in us almost necessarily a kind of resentment? You know, well, okay, why should God get all the glory? I get none. Doesn't this, at least indirectly, denigrate me, denigrate the human project? Doesn't it make God into a kind of rival to me? Well, if you look back at the history of philosophy, this is precisely how a lot of modern philosophers felt. They began to see God as a rival to human flourishing. Humanism, the human project, would take off only in the measure that God was increasingly marginalized. And you can see the process in the course of modern philosophy, God becoming increasingly irrelevant to the human project. And then, in extreme form, you find it in the great atheists. What the great atheists say is this, only when God is eliminated can we be glorified. See? Only when we say there is no God, God doesn't exist, only then do we get the light, do we get the glory. So, for example, Ludwig Feuerbach, he's the founder of modern atheism, he says this, The no to God is the yes to man. See what I'm saying? The atheist position, no to God, means I'm affirming man, I'm glorifying man. Feuerbach's disciple, one Karl Marx, said, Religion is the opium of the people. It's a drug. We should get rid of it and get rid of God while we're at it. And once we do that, once we wake up, then we can glorify ourselves and the human project can get underway. Sigmund Freud, influenced strongly by both Feuerbach and Marx, characterized religion as a kind of infantile fantasy. It's time we wake up from this dream. And then we will be glorified. Well, an awful lot of this, whether we like it or not, has come into our modern and contemporary culture. Deep down, there still remains in many minds and hearts a sort of resentment against God, and a whole resentment against this idea of giving God the glory and not me. Well, how do we solve this problem? By understanding what the Bible means by God. Yes. The classical gods were rivals to us. Yes, this modern god, this fantasy, is a kind of rival to us, but not the biblical god. The Bible says that God is the creator of heaven and earth. You know what that means, Christians? It means God needs nothing. God needs nothing from the world that he himself has created in its entirety. How could he? Therefore, this is such good news for us, therefore, God is not our rival. God's not our rival. As though he's glorified only when we're denigrated. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Rather what? When we give the glory to God, since God doesn't need it, that light shines back on us, enhanced and increased There's the principle. There's the principle, which is why giving God the glory is the key to the deepest humanism. Now, let me say it again. I send the glory to God in all my thoughts, words, actions. I send the light to God. God doesn't need the light. My words and actions add nothing to God. God doesn't need them. Therefore, that light, he's like a great mirror. See what I'm saying? like a great mirror. That light comes shining back, enhanced on us. And this is precisely what happens in the saints. The saints become luminous. They become conduits of the light precisely because they glorify not themselves but God. I know it's a paradox, and the modern philosophers didn't get it, but that's how it works. That's how it works, which is why Paul's claim here is the deepest kind of humanism. Against this background, let's glance anyway at the gospel for today, which is the story of Jesus healing the leper. We know now from Jesus' cultural situation that to be a leper was not simply to have a physical problem. To be a leper was to have a deep psychological and spiritual problem because it meant you were excluded from society. In the Palestine of Jesus' time, to be excluded from society was not to be fully human. To be marginalized, cut off, was not to be who you could be. Therefore, in curing this man, Jesus cures not just a physical problem, he cures him at the most basic level, and he restores him to his full humanity. Now we see it. There's the biblical vision. What is Jesus' purpose? To bring us to life fully, restore us to our humanity not to be our rival, not to undermine us, but to make us as, as full as we can be. Nice little touch, by the way. Once he's cured, what does the leper do? He gives God the glory. He announces it all over the countryside, so everyone came flowing to Jesus. That's how it works. He gives the glory to God, and that glory shines back through him, and he becomes a conduit of the light. That's the stance of the saint. Can I close with this? Because whenever I use that phrase, give God the glory, I can't help but think of St. Ignatius of Loyola. I mentioned him last week, the founder of the Jesuit order that Edmund Campion joined. But Ignatius' motto was, Ad Maiorem Dei Gloriam, to the greater glory of God. It governed his spirituality. It governed his moves in his life. When he was a young man, he wanted to be a soldier and a courtier. He wanted to wear fine clothes, learn how to dance, learn to move in upper-crust society. He wanted to be covered with glory on the battlefield so people would admire him. His whole life, like that of many people today, his whole life was focused on giving himself the glory. And then in God's strange providence, Ignatius was involved in a terrible battle. He was wounded, wounded so poorly that his physique was permanently affected. He'd never cut a beautiful figure, and he knew it. And during the time of recuperation, he discovered the lives of the saints. Ah, he discovered the lives of these people who consistently gave glory to God and became thereby conduits of the light. And Ignatius changed. He converted. He threw away his old concerns. He gave up those dreams of being a soldier and a courtier, and he became instead a soldier of Christ. He became a courtier in the court of the Lord. And in that, he lit up the world. Look at it. If Ignatius had become a soldier a courtier, he would have died, he would have been buried, and he would have been forgotten promptly. A two-bit forgotten figure. But because he decided at the key moment in his life to give God the glory, the light shone through him so powerfully that it became a beacon to the world. And even to this day, the order he founded lights up the world. That's how it works. Christians, give God the glory, and you become humanized, you become
0: a beacon of light, and God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most
1: interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100.
0: Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.